mm-hmm. you can summon the power of your ancestors exclamation mark. But I wanted to ask you if we could do it before I make that uh, very bold. No, claim. I think you call it necromancy for children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the number one thing that predicts the self, what is it? Self-assurance and the high functioning, the emotional resilience uh, uh, and happiness of a family and of children is knowledge of their family history. More than having two parents in the home, more than socioeconomic status wait, or wait, education. What? Repeat that. That's intense. It was knowing their family history. And 9-11 happened, and they went back to look at the kids who knew their family history. Mm. And the ones who knew their family history recovered from the emotional trauma of 9-11 faster than the kids who didn't. I think there's actually more to this on the other side of the veil than we like to think about. You, the way you view yourself, it changes your memory, collective memory. And, the, and they, the researchers found this. They found that intergenerational self, intergenerational memories were, were created. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Midnight Strike to Mormons. I am your host, Cardinal, and today I'm joined in the studio by Quake L and Brad Whitbeck and Jonah Barnes, author of the cool book, I Am My Ancestors, getting kids involved in genealogy. Now, before you just yawn and move mm-hmm. on, this is actually a really cool and important book that I very much enjoyed that opened my eyes to a lot of things that really... I think we're missing in modern Mormonism. I I think in the church we relegate genealogy for the old people, as Kwaku calls them. What are they, cotton tops? Cotton tops? Yeah, cotton tops. Yeah, the cotton tops. Blue hairs. The blue Blue hairs, hairs. yeah. Um, The people that just hang out in the genealogical library and we're grateful because when we ring the doorbell they can open so we can go and play basketball. The neaters feeders. You know, the the neaters. (laughs) I've never heard that one before. Like neaters bakery in Provo. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's it's also for us. And um, who better to talk to than the author of the children's book and workbook of genealogy, one Jonah Barnes. That's right. Who's a musician, a comedian, um, a bon vivant. And also an author of this. What, uh, this what was book. that French thing I don't you speak, just said? I don't speak German. What's bon I, vivant? I, I, isn't bon vivant? Does that mean a man about town in French? Oh, I is, still don't know I, what that means. I think it's a bon vivant. Even in English, I still I, don't I know. I would what need it you to say it pretending like you're a duck so I could understand the French Canadian version of what yeah. you just said. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> <what you> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, anyway, here's the book. I, um, I, oh, sorry, I am my ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, this is rad. So, what's the story of this book, bro? Tell us well, about it. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me on your show. Of course. It's so yeah, nice to meet you guys. Mm-hmm. I yeah. found, I've been a fan a long time. I found you guys when it was This is the Show. And oh, I just, I just want to say that was a very perky show. <laughs> that, that show ah. busted a lot of myths. Oh no! I you see. guys cleaved right to the issues with that show. It yeah. was a great show. Yes. So I just yeah, want to compliment jokes. you. Compliment you on that. I yeah. dig them. Um, I dig them. <laughs> so, uh, and all those of you listening on radio, I'm extremely handsome. Just want everybody listening. Yeah. On radio. Really <laughs> handsome guy. So yes, uh, my wife and I we live in Portland, and you're kind of always uh, wondering, Wait, like Portland, 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 Oregon. Like, aren't they, like, shutting down chapels there and stuff? Yes. Because, like, Antifa, like, Molotov yeah. cocktailing. Like, people yeah. fleeing from violence. You know how they're you know how they're retrofitting the Salt Lake Temple with earthquake-proof stuff? Yeah. They're retrofitting the Portland Temple with, like, riot control fire hoses for the zombie hordes. 
Oh it's my similar, gosh. Uh, that's a joke. That's not actually okay. Well, <laughs> but they funny, should. But it's they funny should. you mentioned that. Okay, I may or may not known a temple engineer that designed the sprinkler system so that if necessary, it could also spray the sidewalk. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you got too many protesters and you need to get them out of there. Seven o'clock, the, uh, <laughs> the sprinkler system comes on. Got to water the lawn. Yeah, we're just, we're just watering the lawn, officer. <coughs> oh, you know? rough. So anyway, no, I heard that there was actually like one of the oldest chapels yeah. in the West, like built in like 1918 or 1921, yeah. has, has and has been occupied by a Portland congregation mm -hmm. in continuity for over 100 years, is having to shutter its doors because they're just utterly fleeing That's the right. city because Antifa won't stop protesting and, and, and vandalizing and doing all that. Really? You know, the oh, whole, all the, the, whole center, the whole center of the city just hollows out, just hollows out. No families are living. No, no humans. Well, no sentient humans are living in the middle of the city. That's it's a, all zombie hordes. That's what I thought you meant with yeah. the zombie horde thing was like yeah, druggies or something. Dude, I'm oh, telling you. Oh, I'm sorry. The minute we're sitting on top of the Manti Temple with our <laughs> shooting... <laughs> No, I'm, th I'm thinking, I'm thinking Ma Deuce 50 cal. <laughs> the Ma Deuce 50 cal, man. I, I, what are you the 223 is too small. Yeah. We're talking about the caliber. It's coming, bro. I will be on top no, of the I know Jordan that. River Temple. I mean, why? <laughs> Never it's mind. Because in the zombie apocalypse, you know, 223, it's, it's a varmint round. Not enough for a 200-pound zombie. You know what I'm saying? The zombie apocalypse is happening in Portland as we speak. It's going down. They legalized everything. For If anybody doesn't know this, Portland and Oregon legalized everything. And so, like, you could be caught on the street, like, hey, man, want to buy some Uranium-93? And there'd be no penalties at all for you. The police, there's like two and a half police left in the whole city. They don't enforce anything. And so you can get every drug, and there's hordes of half-sentient, comatose, yet animate corpses walking around all the time. Oh, it's man. terrifying. It's terrifying. Jeez, that's crazy. And it's that horrifying. inspired you to write this beautiful and book. And that's why. You know, I and <laughs> that's a segue. So, um... <laughs> Uh, uh, like, tell me about this. What you, yes. you were going into the story before I interrupted you about the Portland thing. Hit it. No. So, um, okay. So, question for you guys. So, what country has the most members of the church, percentage wise? Let percentage me say, percentage wise. wise. Oh, Do you know? Geez, man, who knows? If, I'm going to two guess. people get baptized <laughs> in <clears throat> guess, Brazil. Brad, what's your guess? It's Peru. No, it's actually Tonga. Oh, really? Tonga has oh, okay. over sixty percent members. Now, there's only sixty-five thousand people on the island. Okay. Then after that, you have, if Utah was its own state, or if Idaho was its own state, and you go on down. Imagine if every man, woman, and child in America, 350 million people converted to the church. It'd be biblical. That'd be huge, right? Mm -hmm. For thousands of years, prophets would, would remember that. It'd be a big deal, right? Yeah, totally. If every person on earth, we just passed 8 billion people at the end of 2022. If 8 billion people all converted to the church... It would be huge, right? Missionary work like the, yeah. the dream, right? That would still be less than 10% of all the people who have ever been on the earth of the human family. If we converted every single person on the earth, 8 mm. billion, you're still less than 10% of the 117 billion of God's family that have been on this earth. So in 1837, Joseph Smith says, the most important work we have is to preach the gospel. In 1844, he revises it. And he says, the most important duty we have is to seek after our kindred dead. Because hmm. if it's just a numbers game alone, 10 times, I mean, if you were to convert everybody, you wouldn't break 10% of the people who've been on the earth. So family history is huge. The second vision Joseph Smith had 
was Moroni appearing to him four times and repeating the prophecy of Elijah. It's the first canonized section of the DNC. Family history is arguably the reason for the restoration. It's huge, and we don't emphasize it enough. We don't understand it enough. The church and the gospel have it, but the lay members of the church don't understand the importance of family history like this. It's show. funny you mention this because one of my buddies, shout out FedEx, um, who uh, <coughs> works for, I can't remember if it's Ancestry.com or My Family Search or one of those big genealogical search engines, um, he told me the story that there was like this stake president in this area that he served, or I, I don't remember where, but the stake president took very seriously the promise that like you will usher in the help of your ancestors and, and, and reap massive blessings if you just engage in the redemption mm-hmm. of, of, of your kindred dead, right? Mm-hmm. And so he actually adopted that phrase as that year's youth slogan and actually had the youth starting at 12 years old learning how to do their genealogy and how to like make their pedigree cool. charts and how to do all of that and start cool. searching. And and apparently the youth was that that stake was plagued with all kinds of problems. Everything from substance abuse at an early age mm. to, you know, j- just catty gossip to this, that. And he said, never before in all of his time there had he seen more problems just magically go away than when all of these young people started learning who they were, where they came from, all of these great things that their ancestors had done to sacrifice to get where they were. And he's like, they started just behaving like regally, like I am the descendant of the man who invented the rubber of the wheels that the tanks used on D-Day, you know, I don't know yeah. tanks don't use rubber, but like, you know, still it was like, they were just like walking around with this like totally different BA attitude. And he was like, if, if the youth worldwide could just do that, yes, it would absolutely change the game. Yes. Oh, wow. So, you know, so in the nineties, so the catalyst for this whole thing is in the nineties, back when the government actually cared if families were strong or not, there was a lot of money and grant money. And, well, and also we had strong leadership that was, um, you know, uh, convicted of their ideals and took strong stances. I know oh what you're saying. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> so these <laughs> these researchers go out and they start looking at what makes families strong. Their goal is to figure out what makes children strong. And these researchers came back with their results after doing a longitudinal study of thousands of children all across America. And they come back and they say the number one thing that predicts the self what is it self assurance and the high functioning, the emotional resilience. Uh, uh, and happiness of a family and of children is knowledge of their family history. More than having two parents in the home, more than socioeconomic status wait, or wait, education. What? Repeat that. That's intense. It was knowing their family history. And it's this crazy. You can go Google it. It's amazing the study that, that they created from it. And many of these researchers changed their careers to then only go study this because they were so shocked at the results. Uh, Robin Fivish, fantastic researcher, has done a lot of work on this. Robin Fivish. Okay, and wait, but I want you to repeat what you just said. You, you you listed off four things. You said nothing mm-hmm. impacts more the emotional resilience. Mm-hmm. The just I don't want to j- j- repeat that. Just repeat the, that. The number one indicator that they found of all the things they studied, the number one predictor of a child's emotional resilience, uh, 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 self assurance, the high functioning of a family, and self reported happiness. Wow. The, the number one indicator was knowledge of their own family story, their own family history. And it, and it didn't have to be super far back. It wasn't like, back a thousand years ago, we crossed the channel. No, it wasn't any of that. It was, 
Where did your grandparents go to school? How did your great grandparents meet? What you know, things and like that. Did they have any idea why that was the case? Like, was it because mm-hmm. it gave them like a stronger identity, or what? yeah? So now they, so then they go try to figure it out, and and these sociologists descend, and they're trying to figure out, trying to make sense of this, and what they come up with is that if you think about your personality, your personality is made up of memories. It's made up of of memories that you have of yourself. Memories they they form who you are. And you're, this is actually I, I I have this highlighted in your book because I thought Quaker would be jumping into his like the no, uh, the cloud of all. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. No, yeah, okay. So, so keep hitting this. So your memories, the language that your brain speaks, the language it speaks. If you think about you know digitally what it, software speaks or what uh, different languages between humans or or body language, even animals communicate. The language that human brains speak is stories. That's the language they speak. That, uh, that you can look up these mnemonic guys. You ever seen these guys who memorize strings of code? Yeah. They memorize random strings of numbers to have a contest who can memorize the most, like <laughs> pi, memorize yeah. the digits. Mm-hmm. The guy who won a, a revealed how he did it. He memorized, you know, 200 characters in, in 20 seconds. He just, sh- and he can repeat them all. The, the guy who won said, I made it a story. This character was a guy, and this character was a... Then he walked over here. The dash mark is him walking, and here's a cane that he's using, and he made the characters into a story, and that's how his brain retains it. Your brain speaks in stories, and so Mm -hmm. telling your family story is the most direct and powerful way that you can... You can implant memories into your children's brains. And that's why the anti-Mormons go after the narrative first. Yes, yes. To try and disassociate you from your past. Oh, interesting. Because what happens individually knowing your family story happens communally as a people. Mm-hmm. Joseph Smith wasn't a good man. He was actually a bad man. Thomas Jefferson wasn't a good man. He was actually a bigot. You know, I, I'm just waiting until they come Second after. Actually, <laughs> you, oh. Oh, and that's <laughs> but that's why Norsemen pass on their history through sagas. That's what we've always done. Yeah. The, when you're studying family history, if you're studying names and dates, it's just it's just a snooze after a while. You just can't do it. You can't keep that up. That's why children don't care. So you got to do it with stories. But when you make it into stories mm. and activities, and that's what our books try to do then it actually has an impact and they like it and it informs their identity. They start to see themselves as a floor on a house, a car on a train, as a chapter in a book. All the things that your ancestors have done, their proclivities, their intuitions, their their sensibilities, parts of their personality are in you, literally in you. And that is, that is who you are. And the whole world's trying to offer them false identities. Hmm. And this is one way that you can give your child a real identity uh, in their in their family history, so well, it kind of looks like you can also do it together. So, I mean, I, I'm totally burying the lead here. We're like 13 minutes into the podcast, <laughs> and I haven't finished talking about this book. Yes, right here. Yes, thumbnail, I am my ancestors. Thumbnail. No, I'm just kidding. So, anyway, um, so this book came about. Um, yeah, tell us about it. So we we wanted something that 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 parents could sit down with their child and they could open it up and they could read it. It's all in rhyme. So it's fun. Yeah. It reads like Dr. Seuss. It should. Yeah. Wait, hold on. I want, there, there was a good one here where I was like, perhaps there is rhythm inside of your mind from gifts that your forgivers left you behind. I was like, this is like one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Yes. Supposed you know to saying? be. I'm loving this. Yeah. I don't understand why every children's book isn't like Dr. Seuss. Like, why are we still writing children's books that aren't in iambic pentameter that, are, that don't rhyme? Like, why do we do this? He set the standard, and it's been downhill. Anyways, well, I have he's kids. probably racist and uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's because or... recent art, recent poetry, 
is garbage. is kind of bad. <laughs> no, but didn't Dr. <laughs> no, Seuss get canceled? No, he got canceled he did, like two years re- ago. No, he, he didn't yeah. get canceled recently enough for oh. what so we're he's back. About. No, uh, no, no, no. First, it guys, was, come on, let's be honest. I, you know, there were a bunch of Dr. Seuss copycats. They just sucked. That's yeah. also <laughs> true. Yeah, you know, their publishers like we got to have a. Uh, you got Dr. Seuss. We got uh, Mr. Mickle. All right, here we go. Yeah, this right. is the book called the the dog in the blog. Whatever. It was yeah. none of it was good. <laughs> the dog in the blog. No, but people also gave up on rhyming because they're also very bad at it. That's mm. true. Poetry is a lost art in America. They're they're mostly bad at like fitting the meter and you making the it best, work. Best thing is in the church. No one knows what. An epic written by Orson F. Whitney called Elias, an epic for the ages. It is like this thick. It is the entire restored gospel. What? And written in King James rhyming poetry. Cool. That sounds amazing. I have some memorized. Book review. Recite it for us. Declare, O muse, of mightier wing, of loftier lore than mine, why God is God and man may be both human and divine, why sons of God mid sons of men unrecognized may dwell, so massed in dense mortality that none their truth can tell. Father, the voice like music fell, clear as the murmuring flow, from mountain streamlet trickling down from heights of virgin snow. Father, it said, since one must die, thy children to redeem, from spheres all formless, now in void, repulsing life may seem. Father, lead me to lean this lone world when wander from the fold, twelve <laughs> legions of the noble ones that now thy face behold. And that's all I got. Wow, dude, that's awesome, dog. Yeah. Yeah. That's is, so, is it pretty sick? Is it like no, it's the amazing. Iliad or it's what? Amazing. There's another one, DNC seventy six. Joseph Smith and W. W. Phillips wrote a poetic version of DNC seventy six. How what? I will go. I will go to the same instead of die to the next better world where the righteous reside, where the angels and spirits and harmonies be enjoys in a vast paradise. Go with me. Go with me where there's no destruction or war. It's not like I used to have the whole thing. Oh, but it's wow. BA, That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Wait, why'd you memorize it? Just for kicks and giggles or what? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and, and I think That's it's awesome. also because rhyming stuff is just more fun. <laughs> yeah. and, and I wish we had more rhyming stuff. And so I'm really glad that you're doing that. Also, anyone watching, if they're like working on a children's book of their own and they want to like make it rhyme in a way that actually functions. It's got to be rhyme. Do the Pokemon theme song. It's written in technically common meter. Um, that means there's a lot of like old English poetry that actually fits directly into the Pokemon theme or song. Or use so, Shakespeare Pokemon theme or song. Or use the Cardi B song WAP. Ooh, no, g- do g- not do that. <laughs> How does that go? How Can you recite? Have you memorized that one Get up, too? There's Bucket some and a mop with your ancestors. <laughs> no, <and what>? <laughs> no, no, but. Wait, 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 wait. No, my wife's going to watch this. <laughs> It, it makes it really, it makes it really simple to like check your meter and make what? sure it's good. Where, where would you get the epic of Orson F. Whitney recited in the same podcast as there's Wap? Some Wap, old, you know, only Midnight Mormon. What a strange there's an place. Old, there's a retired English woman somewhere who subscribes to Fair Mormon and the Morgood Foundation, and her. Her algorithm is going to recommend this <laughs> genealogy video. And before you know it, she's oh, going to be hearing is, us saying, oh, like, get a bucket now? and a mop your ancestors. Oh. <laughs> what are these little portions? Oh, this, this, this is, is going to be this mortified. Is, this is, is, is what for kids. There's an actual wop. I think it's worse than the original. <laughs> Is it put the rose in my mouth? Yeah, it's feasting good. on a what? On wings and pizza. It's it's about food. Oh, what shit. what what a cursed company made this. <laughs> kids Bop. What? It says Kids Bop. That's worse bop? than 
That's worse than the original. That's more suggestive than the original. It's like, yeah. like what do we got? It's like, okay, Cardi, what do we? Uh, wings and pizza. All right, yeah, okay. it sounds good. Did, Everything did, else was worse. <laughs> wings oh and pizza, God. cheese on top. Get a bucket and a mop. Oh. Cardi, oh. please. Uh. <laughs> So okay, family so, history for well, so, 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 so back, back to, to family history. Children's back to life. making our ancestors proud. Proud of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> did you find down. anything yourself while doing this that bring really inspired down. you, or do you have any stories oh. where people have done this and it's been amazing, or what? Well, the the full story is is that when I was twenty six years old, recently married with a kid and a half, I had a uh, I I came to a very sudden and solemn recognition of my own mortality that um, oh, okay i i had a i have a heart condition it's not like mortal or any well i don't think it is it will be eventually but coming to that realization you never really think that you're mortal you know yeah. i was 26 years old and so i thought who's going to teach my kids when i'm gone who's going to tell them the story when i'm gone is really mm. kind of where it came from and so we started researching family history i've written thousands of pages of our own family history and it's incredibly inspiring with it, and you think of yourself differently. You, the way you view yourself, it changes your memory, collective memory. And the, and they, the researchers found this. They found that intergenerational self, intergenerational memories were were created when you told these stories to these children. They would remember. Imagine the metaphors. I coach my kids' soccer team. Yeah, little kids running around this grassy field have no idea what they're doing, and all the parents are saying, "Run over here!" No, run over. And the kids are just like running around. It's crazy and chaotic, right? You've seen these. And I realized like these kids have never actually seen a game of soccer. They've never actually seen a game played. And so I took a game and I got it on YouTube and I showed them an aerial view of what a soccer game looks like. Imagine that. And they, and cause you're telling them over here, over there, they can't see the lines. They don't know where the goals are. They don't know the rules. It just becomes bumblebee ball. And it's they all, all crazy. Start, yeah, and they start just like it. that. Your your children, your teenagers, they're on an island. They're wandering around this wilderness. They don't know what's and we're shouting commands at them from the sidelines, and they don't know what the heck to do. They've never seen a game played. Mm. Family history is showing them a game that has been played. Here is your forefather. He once was a kid too. He once had to get a job too. He once had to find a wife too. He had problems and this person betrayed him and this person hurt his feelings and he was really sad. And then he got over it and he built his way up. He didn't start perfect. You know, here's his story. And when they see the game played, they go, oh, that's how it's supposed to be done. They've never even seen an example of these lives. We're begging them to live. We're telling them to live. They don't know what it's supposed to be like. No, no, no. Not to get all conspiracy. Heaven uh -huh. But I do think there's an element of rejection toward the idea of family history from the mainstream world because when we learn about our ancestors, we start learning some things that contradict history as we have Well, he's got a chapter for that. Actually, look at the second bookmark. Yeah. Quick. May I read to you about Ooh. mistakes? That's here. That's here. Reciting okay. a lot of poetry. Uh, so, so let me see. Now, sometimes your great-great-grands may not have been grand. They may have done oopsies you don't understand. And by the way, these are very diverse oopsies. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, if you mess up, oh no, sorry, don't cover your eyes. If their deeds weren't ideal without the full story, they do not feel real. They started like you, just a little human pup. And like you, they had troubles. At times, they messed up. If you mess up too, a pup you'll still be. You're part of this pack. You're in good company. Life's not a race. Get used to mishap. But learn from your four chaps. Great word. Oh, they left you a map. So... That's good. Boom, shock, lock. Yeah, and I it's like actually it. kind of funny. We had a convert girl once in our stick. 
that was invited to do genealogy for the first time and everybody's getting up and talking about how like great their experiences was and so on and so forth. And like the first person she found that wasn't on her immediate pedigree chart, she found out like was a repeat murderer oh, <laughs> and like geez. had killed like seven people in like Tennessee oh, in like 1912 oh. and was called like the Nashville Strangler or something. Oh. And she's like, ah. well, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's horrible. <laughs> Uh, there's a, a video I watched on YouTube of a guy who poured into his family history, and and and, and he he had enough money like he's one of those tech guys that made a ton of money so he was just like do fun stuff. Cool. He ended up going to the town that his uh, like great 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 grandfather lived in, and ended up buying some heirlooms of like from him, like that were his, and his journal had weird stuff in it about like do like like rewriting maps. For, on behalf of the United States government what? to like mislead people. It's like like weird, weird stuff. That's why all this Tartaria stuff's becoming so big right now and everything. And like all this like So do your genealogy because you might discover the lost <laughs> land of Tartaria. Is that yeah. the that's the <laughs> title of the video? <laughs> do your genealogy and you figure out that they, they change your great great grandfather's name when he was one of the kids on the uh the, the boxcar kids. Oh on the orphan train. Yeah on the orphan trains. And you oh. discover, okay, what were they? What, 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 you know, well, I definitely think I definitely think you are much more firmly rooted in what the truth of history is when you learn from primary sources of people that lived it instead of secondary sources of people that ah, you just made no, my that's point for me, yeah. yeah. Well, and no, like, like I know a lot about, for example, uh, lies told in Western Europe uh, about the French from the English about the, the the Spaniards and the Inquisition and so on and so forth. Like we have adopted a lot of propaganda. Like for example, Napoleon wasn't short; he was average. It's just like all the other guys. You yeah, it was I'm average saying? size, promise. Yeah. Uh, no, no, he was five foot four and he was diminutive. You know what I'm no, saying? No, but look, look, look. He, 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 there's nothing small about the, depending, I mean, it, whatever she said was not true. He wore pearls. <laughs> he wore pearls. So anyway. Wish. The, no, no, what I'm saying, though, is that maybe the fact that we've been lied to so much about history, maybe that's the reason why we care so little about the history that's been presented, because we subconsciously know it's not true. Mm. Well, so so there's a... There's or, a or maybe there's things more important than materialism and corporatism and Satan works so hard to make us get caught up in the thick of thin things. It's easy to forget. Like good the phrase, the thick of thin things. That's a good phrase. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why, thank you. It's Clinton. a very good phrase, Garden. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. one of those thin things is materialism and short-term thinking it's, instead of like genealogy and long-term thinking. It's like what you were talking about earlier when that stake started focusing on their family history. All yeah. of these other things started to go away because guess what? I think there's actually more to this on the other side of the veil than we like to think about or even really? remember. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. I think cool. our ancestors are on the other side and they want us to succeed and they want to be there for us. How many stories have you heard of people who when they go to like if they have a near death experience or if they are are dying, they like feel like someone is there with them and it's a relative it's undeniable. Who's close by, you know? I feel like there's so much to this ancestral connection that we should be focused on tapping into. Uh, like literally, I, I, this one, I, I, I'll share it because I think it's is this important. when your kid saw your relative? <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, this, this is amazing. I, I'll it. share. I'll share part of another one. Um, okay, it's slightly different. I, so, raising our kids, my my wife would pray and ask to um, have our little daughter be watched over by. Um, some angels to watch her to help her sleep and it worked and they my wife got the distinct impression that there were four women who would show up and she was trying to figure out who they were and trying to understand who they were 
and she started. This is awesome. Okay. She started realizing that, like, okay, one of them was her grandma Della, uh, another was her, um, another of her grandparents, another was my grandmother, and then there was one that she didn't understand, but she she was like, this one is musical, and I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about this one that makes her musical, but she's there for our daughter and watching over her. Is there someone musical in the family? And we talked to my mom about this. Her grandma, her grandma Isabel, loved playing the piano for silent movies. And it was just this wonderful woman and was always playing the piano. You'd get home from school, tell her like, Hey, here's this Van Halen song I pl- learned, and like you'd hum it for her, and she'd play it on the piano, and like yeah, that was who she was. And Riley <laughs> didn't know this at the time. And Riley had no idea that I had this hyper musical great grandma. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and and so it was really incredible to see like just this this thing that came over our family hmm. as she was praying to have this family connection literally she just asked for angels to be there for the family and then we like found this deeper stuff about our family out over time and it was awesome it was so amazing that's awesome hey so do you think so jonah riddle me this and it's so interesting you talk about that brad because when we were starting this i wrote down this question on here um that i wanted to ask can't or a, a potential title for the thumbnail, actually. Mm-hmm. You can summon the power of your ancestors, exclamation mark. But I wanted to ask you if we could do it before I make that uh, very bold. No, claim. I think you call it necromancy for children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just That's go awesome. for it. Just go for so it. So do you think you can summon the power of your ancestors like many of the ancient faiths and ancient philosophers thought you could? Or I what? I don't think you can summon any of them because they they can do their no, own not, thing. No, not like, not like yes. ancestral projection. I'm saying... Do you think you can like 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 he said uh, summon angels to protect my daughter while they sleep and then kind of it's not summoning as in like I want to see the visage and speak but mm-hmm. do, do you think you can invoke that's actually a better term invoke the power of your ancestors The most powerful thing that you can get from your an- your dead ancestors is to teach your children their stories that's the most powerful thing. Whatever other help that you can get, physical protection and those things, uh, yes, you can. We know we, we know you can. Brigham Young said you could. But the most powerful thing that you can do that you can get from your ancestors is to tap into their stories, to infuse them into your children, and to fortify your children against the false identities in the world. That's the most powerful thing that you can do. Okay, and how does your book help do that? Because it seemed pretty practical, but I want you to be able to plug this for any other parents or mm-hmm. soon-to-be parents, because we know we got a lot of Gen Z people that are dating and... Stuff like that. We hear them in the chat and everything. Um, what's How does this book help them do that practice? So it goes through kind of, it has different themes. Each kind of section has different themes. It talks about where ancestors came from and troubles that you have and foods that they ate and things that they said. And it tries to liken like, these people were like you. Yeah. They were just like you, you know? You're not that yeah. different from them. They understand you. And you got like a whole little thing of activities. Activities in the back, you know, that yeah. you can do to, to get your family engaged. So that your children run around the soccer field and they have an idea what it should look like. They think my they've been through this. I'm not alone, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and so. and it gives them a pattern to live their lives after. And often, what's cool is I I don't know for me because my dad's way into genealogy and he's told us so cool. many family stories. Wait, cool. but he's not like in his 80s yet. Mm. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but um, 
he he tells us all of these amazing family stories. And one thing that I think is amazing is you get really phenomenal, like examples of what to do and what not to do yes. sometimes, you know, like yes. yeah, dude, the whipbacks. I heard about the bar fights <laughs> in the 1860s. Man. You're literally not wrong. People. You're not oh, wrong shut at up, all. Really? No, like li- were you, was your great grandpa like a savage that shot a man in Reno just to watch him die or what? Yeah. No, not, not murderers, but there's like a really bad, like, uh, reputation among some of the Winnipeg's. So, like, you're not far off. It's like the Hatfields and the McCoys of Canada. <laughs> not like, quite that. The Whitbecks and the Williams. <laughs> not you know? quite that. But, like, um, it's, it's really, really intriguing because there's, like, um, I think especially when you learn about it for your ancestors, it's easier for you to see it in yourself. Yes, that's it. And Ooh. that's what makes it stick. You start seeing it in yourself, and your kids start seeing it in themselves. Mm-hmm. Instead of being an island... They start understanding themselves and their place in the world. And and I think that overall helps you contextualize all of history down the line because it enables you to put yourself in those people's yes. shoes more easily. Yeah. Because you've started with your own ancestors and people who you are going to kind of love and strive to understand a little bit better because you're related to them. Yeah. Right? And Absolutely so right. I, I think it helps you view everyone else as a child of God more. So do yeah. you, so I'm doing this. I want to jump right in. Uh, do you think this is a good place for a family to start? Is just get the book and start just doing. Do you feel like this is pretty comprehensive? So, family, or is it just for kids? Family history was made for man, not man for family history. If you're a young, <laughs> if you're young parents, okay, and you don't want to do family history because your dad has done a lot of it or whatever, you need to know your stories before you pass them on. You don't have to be a super genealogist, okay, but just talk about your stories and where you came from and things like that. Get ready, get armed with that information, and tell it to your kids when they're young. And it's amazing that they internalize it, they they eat it up, yeah. and then they'll res- they'll say it. They'll be in the schoolyard and they'll say, you know, and I was thinking about my great grandpa, and he would have done this. And and when they hit challenges, oh, the other part of the study that they did is okay, 9-11 happened. Yeah. After they'd studied these kids. And 9-11 happened, and they went back to look at the kids who knew their family history. Mm. And the ones who knew their family history recovered from the emotional trauma of 9-11 faster than the kids who didn't. So oh really? Yes. So they Dude. look at trials and they've heard trials. They've heard about their their forefather who fought in the trenches in you know World War One and and the Spanish flu and these horrible things. And so when they see a horrible tragedy, they think this too shall pass. You know, life will go on. It's okay. And they pick themselves up much more easily and faster than el- than elsewise. That's awesome. Yeah. Whoa, dude! We got to go to Central Park on some big family soccer Saturday deal. And just see if we can't get 10 families who don't know their family history that well and just help them get it. And then see if we can't make our own like little informal longitudinal survey and see if it, like just like we can replicate that data. That w- That's intriguing. So, okay, so how can people get a hold of you and get a hold of this and start the I Am My Ancestors journey? How can they do that? So it's available on Amazon or cedarfort.com. You can also go to turninglittlehearts.com and you can find these things out. We sell them also at Roots Tech. We don't make any money off these. We're, we're believers in the cause. We really want yeah. people to do their family history. So it's going to be inexpensive. Heck, I think you can PDF download it for a buck or something. Go to the website, Cedar Fort Amazon or Turning Little Hearts. Check it out. It'll make your family better. It'll make parenting easier. Yeah, and also, shout it out. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Like, Unless literally. you figure out you're related to a horrible, horrible person. No, <laughs> that's not true. No, it's Don't not make me ruined. summon the Ted 
Bundy on no. you. Yeah, it was Adolf Hitler. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh wait, what do the Asians do? Because like one out of four Asians are descendants of Genghis Khan. Yeah, he's far enough removed though. You know what I'm saying? It's like, don't make me go Genghis there's on a, you. Remember great grandpa long, Genghis? You would have to go back. so far back. Long way I had back. a pop song named after him. That's so, how far away it is. Okay, yeah, but I'm the I'm 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 a, a direct descendant of Charlemagne. He did a lot of conquering in cool. France. Hey, yeah, too. that's too far back. Too, you know, it so shows. Like, it shows, Cardin. Yeah, it explains a lot. That does. The other side of me was just Slavs, and the word slave comes from Slav. Hmm. So you know, no, <laughs> no, uh, you conquer no glamour there. You yeah. know, although my grandpa did escape the Nazis at fourteen years old, Killer. and was imprisoned in two different countries before escaping to a contingent of the Polish Navy that was fighting with the RAF, and he helped invent parts of the radar to shoot down the BF one hundred nine. Uh, e jets that were the first German planes to get made with jets. He was like 17 years old when he was Dude. doing all this. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Like, it's like freaking totally BA. You got to tell that story you know, to your kid. Oh, that's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's it's pretty sick. You know my, what I'm my saying? My great grandpa has some dark stories about fighting the Nazis. Really? Oh, really? Like, yeah, like like getting abandoned. But I don't I don't know the military phrases very well. But like marooned. Like, yeah, with him and just a couple other guys. Okay. And they didn't have a lot of weapons. And he describes having to, like, kill a dude with, like, a makeshift metal that oh, he'd, geez. like, bent and, like, just hack this German guy to bits. Just, dude. like, like blood oh. is everywhere. You're like, dude. never recovered. It, never recovered from that. Kind of on those similar lines. So, my grandpa, I don't know. I don't know if I'm able to share this. Oh, do it. Come on. So He's going to die in 10 years anyway. Well, he's already he's already dead. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so he's probably in heaven right now, not worried about any of the social norms you might violate, saying, yeah, tell my story. Dude, you know okay, so this was actually... Witness me! So he, he, he was a farm boy in Canada, right? But he went into World War II and was fighting the Nazis out there. When he got back and he was reading the Book of Mormon, one of the most transformative things for him that really gave him a testimony that the Book of Mormon was true was the story of Tiancum. Oh. Oh, you're talking about this story. Because, yeah. yeah, as he was reading it, as he was reading this, he was like, okay, Joseph Smith was a farm boy in New York. I was a farm boy in Canada. Hmm. Joseph Smith writes the story of this guy who kills these leaders in their sleep. Yeah. In a way that I know how to kill sentries in their sleep now because I had Ugh. to do it oh. as a Ugh. as a soldier in Canada. As, really? As in the Canadian Army. Yeah. They would have to watch the breathing of these sentries in order to kill them silently, right? And oh. so oh, and, and so the way that they would do it is the, you'd I mean I but he, yeah, he recognized it between the ribs when they're taking a breath in so they can't scream. But yeah. let's get and, a and, knife. and yeah, let's... and and he so he understood like, hey. Joseph Smith could not have known that because I couldn't have known that before having gone through the experience I did, you know? Wow. And so he was like, this, this that is That is man cool. card stamped. Like that cool. and the dudes in Vietnam that were the short guys. This is, this is one way where I've been spared. Like I could never be in the Air Force. Six foot six, you don't fit in the plane. They won't let you. I, I could probably maybe like pilot a C-130. You know what I'm saying? But like, dude, Air Top Gun ain't going to be this guy, right? But a job I ain't going to get is the small dude in the platoon had to get the handgun and go down into the tunnels in Vietnam. You know what I'm saying? And find where they're... That, if you did that, 
you are automatically BA. Yeah. Just like automatically BA, dude. No, I, I have a sort of uh, great uncle or someone who in Vietnam who literally got there and said, no, refused to fight. Really? Would not do it. He said this whole thing's a con, would not do it. I think oh, he got wow. like dishonorably discharged or something. Oh, dang. But he was bro. like, yeah, this thing. And he ended up being right. So, <laughs> so, 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 speaking of military, so one general that I can't remember who said, you cannot understand war in abstract. It's only understood in the lives of individual soldiers. Similarly with history. You can't study history from historians who come later and write these big books. You have to study individual lives. And all of us descend from people who lived through these great events. And if you study them and their experiences, it'll make history... First of all, more vivid, more accurate, and it'll actually mean something to you. Yeah, inform who you are makes you appreciate it so much more. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, one last time, where the, where can they get your book? You can get it right off Amazon or Cedar Fort, lit a publishers or TurningLittleHearts.com. I my ancestors. Okay, awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us today, Jonah. This is Midnight Strike Through Mormons. We'll see you guys in the next program. Hey guys, Cardinalis here again. Thank you so much for spending the time to watch this video with us. We know that you have a lot of things you could be doing right now with your attention, but you chose to spend it with us for that. We are grateful. If you would like to express your thanks, please let us know you liked the video by pressing the like button. If you haven't subscribed yet, please make sure you've subscribed. About 41, 42% of our viewers have yet to create a YouTube account. I know a lot of people are averse to that idea, but if you create an account and you subscribe to our channel, you'll be alerted of most of the videos that come out. If you would like to be alerted of all of our videos, which is what we recommend, please press the bell icon next to the subscribe button and nothing beats sharing this video with your friends. If you came across this video for the first time and you like our content, please consider sharing this with some of your buddies, some of your friends, your grandmother. Let them know that there's good stuff on Midnight Mormons. And if you are a person of means and you would consider sponsoring the channel, please reach out on our website. If you're of more modest means, please consider joining the channel. You can become a member of our channel, of, of our channel or you can also give us a contribution through Venmo. We can be found at Midnight Mormons on Venmo. No matter what, we're happy that you're here. We're grateful that you stay and you hang out. Please keep watching. And if you want to see more of this content, remember, like, share, subscribe, or die. <laughs> Just kidding. This is Midnight Mormons. We'll see you in the next program.